Specifically, very mean in the morning. I'm an angry person, um, and I don't necessarily. Coffee does have something to do with it, but also I feel like there's time. I don't know. Yes. I'm just curious to hear from other people. Oh God, no, I'm mean too. I, you say that, but you don't really act like it. But you don't talk to me in the morning. By the time you oh, have talked, right? To me, I have had coffee. I've been up for like three hours because it's our time difference. That's right. So. <laughs> That explains it. Okay. If you lived with me, you would know. I mean, and it's the worst. It's not the worst, but it's really hard to have a kid because they don't care. And she wakes up like. Zing. You can't tell her not to talk to you for the first 45 minutes. I mean, I do, but it doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't listen. Don't, don't say words. Um, interesting. Okay. How are you? So, oh, hi. Hey, girl. Hello. Mm, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be back home. I was in Colorado. Yeah, my- I forgot you were in Colorado, which makes so much more sense because I thought you were just staying up really late at night. I was like, because we were texting pretty late and I was like, what the fuck are you doing that late? Um, so it makes more sense to me now. Yeah, I was there visiting family and just got back last night. And God, I love coming home. I love coming home. Nothing's better than coming home. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. I'm psyched to be back and I have a bunch of fun, exciting work things coming up and more travel and yeah, I just feel good. I, I, it's really nice to wake up and be excited about what you're doing. Yeah, it's true. 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 Really true. It is a good thing. Um, you're... I don't know if it recorded, but you're, it, that was amazing because you answered and he goes, yeah, it's true, 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 true. Oh, it did a loop? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was like rad. It wasn't, it wasn't. Um, that just like makes awful. me concerned about audio quality. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the coolness in it. Um, How are you? I mean. I'm great. We launched Tips of Brady School this week. Um my uh, my girl Megan that works with me is here, um, and so it's like one long work party, mm-hmm. day and night. Um, I'm good. What else, what's going on in my life besides work? I'm doing yoga. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's cute. Um, I talked to my mom this morning. Well, she went outside and there was a man in her backyard, um, and she was really cute. No big deal. No big what deal. Else? And it was really cute of how she was. Exp- I mean, it was just the most adorable explanation of a, of a, of a man breaking into your property. Um, but she had, she, (laughs) this is like my, my mom, she sends me a text message and it says, hold on, let me pull it up. She sends me a text message. It's the first thing I get this morning and it says, okay. Uh, Ava DuVernay quote, Figure out what you need to do to be the heroine of your own story or be the heroine of your own story. Space. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Question mark. Maybe it's the destination. (laughs) Space. Life affirming. Dot, dot, dot. Space. Each day life begins anew. Space. Human. 
space grateful, space thank you, space thankful. And she said, do you like any of these? And I said, all of them. <laughs> Why? What, does she, is, does she write, the, write it out on her phone like that with all the spaces? Yeah. I said, okay. all of them. Why? And I said, I love you, mommy. I'm going to come home next week. And she, she calls me. So she's sending me this text message first. She calls me. And then um, says, Holly, you won't believe what happened to me this morning. So she sends me text messages of quotes first. Right. And before. Then, the and thing. then calls me to tell me, tell me that a man was in her backyard this morning when she went to go like in the dark when she went to <laughs> let the cat in. Anyway, so these, these quotes that she sent me because is because she feels she can't wear any of the t-shirts that you and I saw and she would like <laughs> us to make a t-shirt. <laughs> and so I said, if you come up with something good. I will make it into a t-shirt. And so the one that she chose is she wants it to say um, life affirming. She wants a t-shirt that says life affirming. Oh and my I, God. No, it's the cutest thing ever. And I said, what's life affirming? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> Me? Life? <laughs> you? And so I kind of So your make- mom wants us to make a meta shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was the cutest fucking thing. Anyway. We'll do it. We'll do it for your mom. I know. We'll we'll sell one. But she wants it to say life affirming dot dot dot. <laughs> so like question? I don't understand. And so anyway, but it's it's cute. It's cute. So that is very cute. Yeah. And then my sister just texts me something about well, never mind. My family's awesome. All right. So yeah, that's what's going on here. Cute. I love stuff. it. I would be the person like your mom that would be like, huh, dude, in my backyard. Okay. <laughs> Like you were describing, you're like, she's so weird about security and like doesn't lock her door. I'm weird about security too. I'm not, I don't live my life in fear. I'm just like, she's 71 years old. I know. She lives by herself and she lives in a big house, the big backyard. And the backyard, by the way, has like a fence that backs up onto a park. And so like that I used to, I mean, this is how I used to you know, sneak out of my house when I was a teenager. People would park behind my house and I'd hop a very low fence. And so it's just like, it just makes me nervous, you know? I know. I get it. It's like, be more careful. Um, Life affirming, dot, dot, dot. Life affirming. Yeah, so that's what she goes on to think about is quotes for her shirts. Love it. Cool. So let's make some announcements and let's get into it. Okay. So announcements. Let's see. I have a bunch of workshops and classes coming up this fall. By the time this airs, I will already be in uh, on my way to Bainbridge Island, Washington. That retreat with Meadow DeVore is sold out. Uh, there are other things coming up, though. I will be in Austin in November. I will be um, in St. Louis for New Year's Eve with Becky Ballmer. And there are a few other local things here in the Boston area. And, and you and I are going to do a retreat. And you and I. We're going to do a yes. workshop together. We're going to do a workshop together in L.A. in the spring. So keep your eyes out for that. Uh, there, there will be more stuff coming up and announced. Uh, it's all on my website, com slash events. Uh, I think that's that's what I've got right now. And then you wanted to make one about the home podcast. Yes. So we rely, um, Holly and I do not make a profit off of this podcast, but we do have people who we make a negative profit. We podcast. make a negative profit, but we do have people because we brought a sound guy on. Thank you, Adam, uh, to make this sound good. And we have administrative support. Uh, so we need to just be able to pay those people to run this show. 
And we made it really easy for you to donate to us. Every donation, every dollar is appreciated. It's homepodcast.org slash donate. Uh, The best way to do it uh, is to make a recurring donation monthly. You can set it up. It's one, you know, click super easy and we can do, you can do small amounts. So and Please. it's less than a coffee, like for for less than than a latte from Starbucks costs you a month. You can support the home podcast, yeah. And then I and also say another great way to support us uh, is to also um, rate us on iTunes. That really helps as well for us to get more listeners. So. Um, Yes. Okay. Um, my announcement, Tips Sobriety School, starts tomorrow from this. Um, it's as of today, a week a week out from that um, start date, October 13th. We don't have very many spots left, and I'm assuming it'll be sold out by the time that this airs. But you can go to thehipsobrietyproject.com, um, and you can get on the wait list uh, for the January school. Um, and that's it. That's all I got in terms of announcements. I am going to be doing, I'm really excited about this. I've been working with our friend Tammy Salas mm-hmm. um, on creating uh, a 40-day email series that sends you an email every day with a mantra and a story and some beautiful artwork. Tammy is an artist and she has been for the last year drawing, um, making making beautiful art out of my words. And so she is. She and I collaborated to put together a, uh, pro, it's called the Mantra Project mantra project 40 days of sobriety it's part of a bigger project where we're putting a book together um, so exciting yeah i love it i love it i love yeah i love working with her i love um it's just it's it's beautiful it's what happens in this community you meet really cool people and you do cool stuff um so yeah that's coming up and i'll announce more about that but that's all i got love it okay so it. what are we talking about I don't really know yet. I I mean, I do. Um, you texted me and you said, let's do uncoolness. And I said, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and um, like then this morning you're like, what were you thinking? And I said, I don't know, but it sounded cool. Um, uncool sounded cool. Uncool sounded cool. Yeah. Um, no, I think what, what we're talking, what that means is we're talking about the stuff that comes up around feeling like you are out of the club, you're kicked out of the club when you stop drinking and that you're, uh, you're now in this like subgroup of, of uncool humans and you've lost your edge. And it's been, a, it's actually funny because it's been a theme. I got an email from somebody recently who was talking about how she had never, she'd heard me say it's a rebellious act to quit drinking. It's a subversive act to quit drinking. And she said like, yes. Like, and I want to hear you talk more about that. So that came in recently. Yeah. And then, um, and then I've I got post- a bunch of emails too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, a, it's a theme. It's a theme. It's a theme. And so, I mean, for me, it's a lot of stuff, but it's being on the outside of a society of what everyone else is doing. Um, yep. And figuring out how to do that and how to not feel like a big loser and not feel like which by the way neither of us do they to be clear well, now, this no. is now no right but this is but it's one of those things that's like i think the most common misperception around what sobriety is um yes absolutely and and just talking about like t- picking that apart you know how we're going to talk about we know what we're going to talk about so we're going to answer four questions yeah <laughs> five, um, five questions Five questions and should we just start? Yeah, let's okay. do it. So you go first. Um, 
what was your what was your perception of sobriety and sober people before you yourself got sober? Well, I mean, I've said this before. I didn't have any sober friends. Um, and I, you know, I just, when I was in my 20s, my boyfriend and I, um, I remember we were like, we we're talking about going home for Thanksgiving to my mom. And I was like, well, you know, Steve and I are drinkers. And, um, you know, and that was just how I saw myself, which was we were part of this hard club over here. Um, I didn't have any sober friends. And I, you know, my idea of it, this will be the shortest, probably the shortest answer I give the entire time. But um, I mean, we, I lived my life not wanting to lose my privilege to drink. Like that was the thing like that I, I could not imagine having happened to me because of how much it was, how much my life was, how much, it, how important it was in my life um, and what it stood for in my life. Right. You know, my idea of fun was, um, you know, was, was getting shit faced or sneaking a flask into a certain place or, you know, like for me, the whole world opened up when I moved to San Francisco and I realized, you could drink and do everything, right? right? Like it's like one of those things. Like you can actually like go to. I, I just remember before moving to San Francisco, my girlfriend Sarah texts me and she's like, "Oh, I'm going to poker night, and we um we all bring you know a bottle of wine and blah 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 blah." And I was just like, "Oh my god, that's like the dream! Like going over yeah. to a girl's house and each of us having a bottle of wine." And um and so for me. It was such a big part of my life. I couldn't imagine. I didn't know what people did when they didn't drink. And and we tried to figure out how to have fun without drinking. You did? Well, yeah. My friends and I drank a lot. And so yeah. we would make up lit. We had like a girls thing. And we would say like, like we went to a shooting range once. And we were so proud of ourselves because we didn't drink before we went to the shooting <laughs> range. But then we went to my friend's wine bar afterwards and got shit-faced. Yep. And so, you know, there was there was this thing of um, – there, there was this uh, – for me, it just equaled like the free pass to having a fun life. That was how I thought you had fun. And I couldn't imagine, you know, I could not imagine having fun without having alcohol involved because that's where every, that's where every good story began. That's where every, that's where mm-hmm. everything started. That's the way we commune. That's, it was everything, you know? And so, um, and I didn't want to be friends with sober people because what the fuck do you do with sober people? Exactly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, my perception of it and then my perception of, of sober people was that it was that they were sad and it was hot and life was hard and they were judgy of me or, you know, it was just a, it was very, it's hard to think about because I didn't actually really think about it that much. I just, you know, right. They, <clears throat> you had these, you didn't sit there and go, Hmm, what do I think of sober people? But you yeah. had really solid beliefs about <laughs> an identity around drinking. <sighs> Yeah, it was it was my identity. I I mean, I drank I drank whiskey. I drank like straight whiskey. Whiskey neat was my drink. Um, and uh, I did not I did not drink just for the sake of of of, of having a, a taste of something. I I drank you know for the effect of it, and I drank pretty hard stuff. And um, there was it was tied into um, the idea, it was, it was all one big picture of who I was. It was very tied into my identity and my life, all of my, all of my relationships. So, yeah, the, yeah. The relationships piece is big too. Yeah. So what about you? What was your idea? Your, your perception of so sobriety and of sober people, um, before you quit? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I knew a few sober people, um, a couple at work and a couple, um, well, 
I, my dad got sober when I was 15. Um, so I had actually gone to a lot of meetings with him as a kid. Um, and I thought it was sad, like you said. Um, I thought I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and I thought, like you, I didn't actively think about it. Um, but I would specifically not go into situations with, where drinking, I was not going to be able to drink the way I wanted to. And people who were sober, I would steer clear from because of the judginess um, that I felt, or um, I just wasn't comfortable, you know? And I mean, I, we joked in my family, like, I don't trust people who don't drink. Ha ha, wink, wink. And I mean, but I meant it. I did too. (laughs) Like I really did. And I thought, you know, you either don't do it for religious reasons, in which case, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, Or you don't do it because you have a problem. And I also don't want to have anything to do with that because I, I, I'm sure subconsciously I thought like um, they would be able to identify that I, I mean, I knew the one guy who was sober in my office um, for the, the job. I had a job at an agency, one of the agencies that I worked at. And one of the partners is sober and had been sober for a long time. And he and I were really good friends and, and close. Um, and I knew he knew, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I would specifically like steer clear of him when I was drinking or days after when I was hungover because I just knew that he knew that I was like, he had my number. So I, but I thought it was boring. I thought it was sad, boring, um, unfun, uncool. Couldn't imagine it. Um, well, didn't, didn't you wanna... also have like a perception about people that didn't drink, like that they had more, for me, it was also like, I, I, I assumed they had more self-control than I did. And I didn't like people that were controlled. Like it, I had a very, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't assume they had more self-control. I think because I did have some idea about, um, about what it like I had some exposure to AA and I had no not people that had gotten sober I'm talking about people that just didn't drink that much or people oh that- yeah 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 I wanted nothing to do with people who had control over themselves like I thought that was so <laughs> dumb like so annoying annoying yeah. and rigid yeah. and yeah no I wanted people we used to have a joke one of my friends um that I worked with uh, we used to joke about, he's like, I, are you going out? Or are you going out? And I was like, you know, I always go out. I'm not just going out to like, it's not cute. You know, I go to, I drink to get drunk yeah. basically. Yeah. So yeah, no, I thought it was, I, you're so, yes, totally. And I wouldn't hang out with those people. No. I wouldn't hang out with people mm-hmm. who were controlled about their drinking. No, I know. I wanted to get fucked up. Well, and it's still, I still, there's a, there's still like when we were talking with Glennon and she said she doesn't have friends. She doesn't like friends that have boundaries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's, the, it's kind of the same thing. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Um, but, you know, I have to mention too, I did have some draw toward the, I did have like a part of me that was curious, not about sobriety, but around the, sort of spiritual aspects of going, I don't know, I had some draw to it um, because of the people that I knew that were sober in my life. 
um, I kept a couple people. I've talked about my friend Jenny a lot in my writing and stuff. She was like my college friend that I learned basically how to drink and do all the drugs with. And she got sober long before I did. And, you know, I, I was drawn to her. I, I knew a few people who were sober. The few people I knew were also really like kindred spirits in terms of how deep they were willing to go. Um, there was a in conversations, there was something I was drawn to. So I did have a tiny sliver of that, but you know, I thought I, I, I didn't want it. That's for sure. Yeah. So what, um, so when, and how did that shift for you? Like, can you think of specific examples? Yes. <laughs> I know exactly when it shifted. Um, it was, I think I do too. Yeah, I, I know when yours shifted. Yeah, it was like this. It was already tanking. Like, I was not able to hold on to my life, right? It was, and it was moving really fast. And I, you know, like tried to quit my job. And I, um, it just like, I I changed, I started to, I bought, you know, like it was like, it was probably, it was October 4th that I bought Alan Carr's book, right? October 2nd, I had this breakdown, October 4th. Um, I buy that book and then I start reading The Easy Way to Control Alcohol and then as, as it's just not feeling fun anymore. And for me, it was more of, um, what was I, it was more of what am I holding on to here? Like it started mm-hmm. to become, um, and I'll talk a lot about this, but it just started the, it, I'll say like the veil started to lift, um, in terms of what I was doing, um, and, and how cool it really was. And there was this one night that I went out with my girlfriend and I, like I, I've said this before, she wanted, you know, she drank too much. She hooked us up with guys I didn't want to be hooked up with. She was so drunk at the end of the night. We got in a fight and she wouldn't get into the cab and I had to leave her in the mission. And then she texted me all night long. Um, you know, and I just, I was 33. And for me, that was a really big moment of what am I, what am I fucking hanging on to here? Um, and so there was like, you saw out, you saw from it, like you almost saw outside. Yeah. I'll never forget that night. I will never, I was on, I was on, um, I was outside of elixir in the mission district and, um, you know, and then I, and then we're walking and we're walking towards Valencia and, and, oh my God, I can't even remember now, 16th. And, and there she is. And I'm trying to get her into this minivan taxi cab. And, um, and I'm giving the, trying to give the driver my, my credit card just in case she pukes in the car. And, and she's just fighting me and she's saying, she's calling me a bitch. And then, and then, and then I get into the cab and then, and then I leave her and then it's just, and then she stayed up all night long and was walking by herself. And and I just was like, I cannot, I do not. I saw myself outside of that situation. It was so clear. Um, and so there, there's that part of it. And then when I finished and that I was already reading that book and then that weekend, it was like a Friday night and then my cousin got married the next day. So I went to Fresno and I looked like shit. And then like I was read in all these pictures and I was watching my, I watched my cousin didn't and her husband don't drink or they didn't. I think they, I don't know. They didn't, they, they weren't drink. Nobody was really drinking at this wedding. And she, they were, it was their wedding and they weren't drinking. And that, I remember looking at that and going, huh, like they can do that. How can they do that? And then at their wedding, at their wedding, he's drinking a Coke, you know? And, 
Um, and then I finished the book like like you like I couldn't read it fast enough. And then I had my last drink on the train back. And then I went out that night and I was just like, I don't drink anymore. And for me, it was more of because of the way that Alan Carr's work is and, and Nancy and Nancy Grace and Annie Grace's book, <laughs> Nancy Grace. Um, <laughs> Nancy Drew. I was like, where did you get that? Well, Nancy Grace is never mind. Um but I, I went out and for me, it was all of a sudden it flipped. It was like, oh my God, I don't have to do this shit anymore because drinking's not easy. It is hard. It mm. is a hard thing to hold up, right? I wanted yes. to go back to that place that was, that I was when I was 15 before I found it. I wanted to go back to the place where it was enough on a Friday night to ride my bike to Goomba's Pasta and get a bucket of fettuccine and play card games with my best friend in her bedroom all night and have fun. You know, I wanted to go back to that place where I didn't need to get fucked up in order to have fun. Um, and it was like that happened. And so when I went up to the first girl and said, and, she, and I was like, oh, I don't drink anymore. I decided to not drink. And, you know, this were like, you out? You were out. I was right? out. I was out. Yeah. And she, her, her face goes white. And she's one of those people that I, I don't think I'd ever seen drunk. You know, but she drank, and her she loses all color in her face. And she says, I don't understand what you're saying. And I said, oh yeah. And she's like, just like that. And I was like, yeah. And I didn't tell her about Alan Carr or borderline personality disorder or any of that shit. But I just was like, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was looking around me. I was at a bar with a bunch of people and they were just drinking like, you know, like we went to a couple different bars. They were drinking these Hawaiian drinks and like everyone was just like, you know, like, woo, take a picture of me with this, you know, with this alcoholic beverage and let's put it on Instagram. And, and here, and I just was looking at everyone and I was like, oh my God, you guys, it was like, I took the red pill. That was exactly what it was like for me. It was like all of a sudden, and I won't say like, it just was like, I don't want to be part of this dumbed down culture that thinks that we need to have alcohol. Um, And it wasn't like this, this wasn't the end of the story. You know, like I drank again um, because it doesn't just mean that it was so, so easy at that point. Um, But for me, it was a flip of seeing that a society had been duped um, into believing we had been duped into believing that this is necessary for us to commune and have fun and we built our lives around it and it's a lie and so it was like um it was it was like I took the red pill red pill and I couldn't go back um I saw I saw it for what it was um and I no longer wanted to be part of the people and I want and furthermore I wanted to like I was like oh my god you guys like I wanted to shake everyone and say you guys you guys you guys you guys like you know, it's, it's, we've got it wrong and, and this is killing us. And so, um, it was a big moment. It was a big yeah. shift. It's huge. Yeah. Huge. And so I had I that really it. early I- on. Right. And that played a big, that it didn't make me feel like I was less. And that doesn't mean that when, it, when my social life started to change, it's like tectonic plates, things started to shift. Right? right. And rub. And that doesn't mean that part was easy, but it does mean that I, from the first part of it was like, Whoa, I'm out of that. Like I was not the loser, you know, like I was not the one that was, that was like missing out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I always love every time you tell it because it's so, um, it's, it's just, I love, I don't know. I, it's not, it's not how my experience is, as you know, but yeah. I think I'm so glad that 
that was your experience because it, what, you know, all the things that you just said, like at the end, sort of the punchlines of all that played into flipping the story for me too. Yeah. So why don't you talk about it now? Like, um, how did it, how did it shift for you? Yeah. So specifically we're saying the perception of sobriety and sober people. I mean, I, mine did not go like that at all. Mine went, my perception shifted much slower and it was a lot more, I grieved it. I grieved this identity of myself as a drinking person. I grieved my relationship with alcohol, like in a big way, a big, big way. Um, if I have to think of, okay, so I'll, there are a few moments that stand out. Um, and I'm writing about this part right now. So I have them available to me. There, there are a few moments. One was what in the, the sort of bottom first bottom that I talked about, a lot uh, with my daughter at my brother's wedding. The next day, my mom uh, and I were driving. My mom and I were driving home from the wedding. We, we all stayed in a hotel room. We were driving home from the wedding. And we got back to my brother's place. And I slept like such shit that night. I was terrified and horrified and so sad. And I remember I had a conversation with my brother the next day and he, the end of that conversation, after he had told me, you are someone who can't drink, you know, you're not going to have your daughter if you do. Um, This is the reality of the situation, you know, very kindly, but firmly told me like the gig is that. And he said, there, there are a lot of people who don't drink and go find them. And I felt like he had, I felt like I was going to die. I mean, I really did. It was like the, the worst news that could have possibly been given to me because I thought for sure, like this is the B version of life, like being sober. This is like the worst sentence, the worst possible card I could be given is that I have to go, off and be sober. And so that started, you know, like that was where the sort of the knife entered me, um, the pain and over the, it took really a year of seeing like shifting my perception. Like you, I look at it as you like in that cab that night, you had like kind of a psychic change. Like you say, you took the, the red pill I took the red pill in like seeing it like half milligrams over the course of a year. <laughs> it was one of those things with the tiny little beads in it. And you took yeah, the exactly. Bead like someone broke the pill <laughs> apart and fed me tiny little beads. Um, but there are a few, there are a few times when it started to shift. Um, one was early on. I, I went to, um, God, this is hard to, even trace. You know what I mean? It's like, how did this, how did this happen? I, one, a big one, I have to say it was meeting you. Um, because you were so like, you were so, you had this different perception of it. And you asked me once you said, do you miss drinking? 
Yeah, I like remember you were that. Actually, totally confused <laughs> that I really did miss it, and yeah. I was like, "What? Of course I miss it. Of course I miss it. I I miss it like like a leg that I don't have anymore. You know? Yeah. And but it it snapped something in my brain at that time because it was like, wait, she actually doesn't miss it. You know, yeah. it's not it something in my brain, too, because I was like, wait, people that are sober miss it. Like, um, right. I mean, I knew that, but it was also you and I like I thought people that were reaching out to me because you and I had formed this connection. And I thought like for I mean, it was this naivety that like anybody that, you know, follows me understands like, you know, we're we're we're, we're like on the freedom train here. Like, right. Right. <laughs> so. Yes. And it snapped something in me and it wasn't that it got me there at all. Mm. I was really actually angry at that like comment, but it started to open, you know, because I loved you from the very, like I loved you and the conversations we were able to have Mm -hmm. and the way that we connected around this. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And I wanted that. Those are the things I wanted in my life that I always wanted. Yeah. Um, and I had, I started to have many more experiences like that with people in sobriety. Yeah. And that was a huge deal to me um, because that, that as the connection, that was what I was always seeking was like this true connection. Yeah. You know, and I thought you had, I specifically drank to like. Get there. Get there with yeah. people. Me too. Like I, Let's drink and tell all our secrets and bear yeah. our souls. It That's was how you, it was how you like, it was, it was like, um, if you wanted something to happen with a man, you know, like you, like if you, yeah. like if I had a thing for a man, I'd know, well, I'll be drinking around him at some point, exactly. you know, exactly. exactly. It was <laughs> we'll like, get the there yes. then. it was like the yes, yeah. Yeah. So the, the way in, yeah, it was it was the way, way in. in. Yeah, I get it. So, but I started to slowly have those experiences in sobriety and they were real and they didn't have a hangover and they weren't like muddled with this mess you know, yeah. so that started to happen. Um, and also the people that I met, like you and various other people, they were like badass people that I wanted to be, wanted to know. It wasn't like sad, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh God, these are the people I've always wanted to be around. Creative, intelligent, smart, fascinating, deep, well, it's the people that couldn't hang either. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the people that took it too far. Insecure yeah. people. You're like, you know, I remember I was talking to one of my friends and she was like, yeah, I had whiskey bottles in my trunk. And I was like, oh my God. Like I used to stop and, you know, like I would, I would have booze in my car. It was just, it was like, oh my God, you too? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, the, it was the true, brave, amazing people yeah. who had been like initiated. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted, and you know, that's what I had always wanted. And it's kind of what I, how I thought of myself too. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then honestly, this is kind of silly, but it's, but it's real for me. You know, I admire Revere writers, a lot of writers and artists who I started to learn were sober. Yeah. Um, and some of them I had known like, Stephen King and Caroline Knapp, even though she is dead, and Mary Carr and Anne Lamott. Like, I started reading those people long before I was sober. Um, so I was drawn to that. Uh, and 
I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's so true. Bradley Cooper, for some reason, like snaps Pushed you over the edge. <laughs> Truly, it was. It was. Uh, it was like, oh my god, he's fucking sober. That's so badass. I. I don't know what it was with him. I think his Silver Linings Playbook. That movie was so good. That was so good. Such and a good I movie. Was like, you need to see that movie again. Yeah. yeah. And so I started to like attach, like, like look at all these people who are so amazing in my eyes and so talented. And so I wanted what they had and they were sober and it was like, okay, okay. So, so maybe this is, you know, maybe this is a thing um, that I could, that I could get behind and that I could be a part of. And then honestly, I don't know, there was somewhere along, even before I had quit, quit, I realized that this was like the ultimate act of rebellion and, you know, being subversive. And I wanted it. Whereas before I, you thought about that before you quit before I quit for sure. Cause I, I mean, you and I talked, I mean, you have to remember I was, I quit over the period of like a year and a half, Mm. but I started to have these, I, I started to have this knowing, but I was still so addicted I was still so addicted that I, it took me a while, but I knew like by the time I had my last night, we had already been talking for like six months. I had really started to like, I had a community in a, that I started to build. I had some of these things had seeped in, you know, and I wanted, it was like, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be able to write about being sober. I wasn't even uh, sober. You yet. wanted to be part of the, it was, it's, you wanted all the, like there was a shift and you wanted to be in the other club. Like you it, had, you, you wanted to start being part of the club that you'd never wanted to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I get it. And you see that shift a lot. You do. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I wasn't, you know, I, I hadn't, I wanted to be sober. I say this a lot, but I wanted to be sober without actually being sober. <gasps> and I thought I could, like in my mind, I thought I could. I mean, I had thoughts like, if I only drink like every once every few months, you wanted the benefits without having to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's, it shifted like, yeah, you took the big pill all at once and I took it in micro beads over the course of the year. (laughs) Yeah. So, so So the next question is, uh, what is the perception now? Um, what do you think about sober people, Holly? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're so lame. Um, now it's interesting. Um, the, my to be clear, my per, it's my perception not of sober people, but of sobriety. Sobriety. Um, and it was, you know, here's the thing I've known from the beginning is that this is where everyone's moving. It was also like I, you know, like you take like you know take the the blinders off, and all of a sudden you see we're not going to be people are, you know. Um, people can't be fooled for that that long of a time. People just can't be fooled for that long of a time. And so I had this, I mean, it's, it was the bet. It's, it's the bet I, I took, how do I want to say this? It is the bet I placed when I quit my job and started my company, which was that this is a thing. This is a growing thing and that more and more people are going to figure it out. Um, and so for me, there was always a comfort in being alone, meaning, you know, I, that first, my first year sober, I didn't have sober people. I didn't have sober community. 
and also it was it was a, it was the year of, of of loss in terms of tribe and in terms of uh, my social life. Um, you know, going to parties, and not drink. You know, it was just this. Um, things changed. Um, like the world fell away before the new world rose up. I had a very yeah. internal world, right? And there, w- it was the in between time. And, uh, I was able to stay within that in between time and, you know, like, ha- like listen to my best friend tell me he wasn't interested in dating me because I didn't drink and, um, and go to parties and leave early and not be invited to things. Um, because I had such faith that I was, that I was right. <laughs> you were onto something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's also this, there was just this power that came with being able to be in my own skin and go to a party and not drink. I felt like a badass. I know. I yeah. really did. When I was out, like I was, I was the head of a department and I it was, my, my, my department was new and a lot of the people that worked for me were young. And I just remember being in New York and all of us are there and I took everyone out to dinner at auto and, you know, didn't drink. And I loved being the boss and, and not drinking. And I mm-hmm. loved letting them go on into their night and, and instead of going with them and, you know, <laughs> slamming like like having beer checking contests which I did and you know matching them shot for shot and like going home and hanging out with them until three or four in the morning you know like I walked and I left at 10 and I went and got a massage at one of those amazing late night New York massage parlors um which doesn't sound like it sounds um or isn't like what that sounds like um (laughs) (laughs) no but I I really loved um what I was doing and what it meant and what it represented. I loved not doing what everyone else was doing because I'd spent my life doing what everyone else was doing to fit in. And all of a sudden there just was this shift of, of just feeling so righteous and not righteous and like, but just fucking like a righteous badass queen, just doing this thing, doing my thing without apology. And so for me, it was almost like my power came from not doing it. And also, um, not doing it gave me my power. Um, if that makes any sense. Like I had this, I had this perceived power around not having to do what everyone else was doing and also have like not being able to do what everyone else was doing also pushed me into having this, like pushed me to find that power. And so, um, so it was like, it was just like, uh, it was like a, a like a, it was just a strength. It was a strengthening for me. It was just, I got stronger in that year. And, uh, and did you feel like you were like that you were becoming like you'd wanted to be there for so long? Like this is a place where you oh wanted God, to it be. was where everything started. It was where everything in my entire life I'd been looking for, where it finally came to fruition. It was like, I, how come I couldn't figure this out earlier? And that's just because it, like I removed the thing that was, you know, I, it, it, I don't know, like there's not enough time for me to talk about all the ways that this changed. But when we're talking about specifically, um, how like coolness factor and, and like, you know, and like I look back and I just remember like things like I can see scenes of me, you know, being at a bar and like, um, and drinking out of a vase and then like, and the bartender, um, like the bartender saying something to me and, um, and I'm there with like 
like two of my friends and me saying, fuck you, um, you know, to her and I, and then looking at them and saying, I'm out of this place. And then like running into the street and I'm like 30, 32, whatever. And like all of a sudden I'm like looking at that and I'm like, oh my God, I don't have to do that anymore. Right. Like for Mm -hmm. me, this is where like the adult years happened. Right. Like where I actually was able to like be the thing that I had been trying to be, which was just like in my skin and able to actually operate in this world without, um, you know, dumbing myself down. And so there's that part of it. And then there's also this other part that comes along with, um, you know, so there's this like the self ownership that comes along with it, right. Of, of doing the thing that yes. no one else is doing in this, like, and just, and, and apologetically, I was so unapologetic about it. Um, there's also all this pain that's happening, like people saying shitty things to me and losing friends and not being invited to places and seeing your life go on on Facebook as you fall away from it. You know, there's that going on. So that hurts. But then in 2000 and, you know, like the, where the question is, what is it? What is my perception of it now? In 2014, I start to, I mean, I've been talking about it for a while. I start to make friends that, that, that like start to make real true friends. Um, and it's like, um, everything, the people that I was looking for my entire life, the, the things I was looking for my entire, all the stuff that I was looking for my entire life ends up being on this side of it. And so like my perception of it today is that it's, um, it's, it's a group of people that are no longer willing to do what society's dictating that they have to do. It's like the, the bravest group of souls and, and also like the, the most sensitive and, and like deep and connected and knowing souls. And it's the souls that have been through some shit. And yeah. like it's, and, and not only that, like it's, it's like this growing, you know, real party where we, like where we're all actually living in this world that is primarily duped. Um, we're living in this world where we actually see the world for what it is. Um, you know, we're, like you said, initiated, right? We're over here on this side um, and, and we start to actually get to work. Like we're yeah. now able to, okay, we've done that. We've removed that. Now let's get to work. There's no missing of it. There's no missing of, of, of people drinking. I always, the second I see people drinking, I'm always like, you're ingesting ethanol and you're doing, you're, you're taking a drug in public view. Um, and there's nothing cute about it. There's nothing cute about seeing somebody who's drunk. There's nothing cute about like seeing, you know, like hearing people say they need to have wine in order. When I see stuff like on Instagram, like today, this woman I was following posted a picture of a tequila in a hummus bowl. And I was just, and it just is like, Nah, that's just so boring. Let's do something. Let's do something interesting in this world. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my perception of it is um, much different. <laughs> much different. <laughs> yeah, I get to see through. I get to see through the bullshit. I get to see through the alcohol advertisements. I get to th- see through the social conditioning. I get to see through, you know, and see and see what's actually going on. This doesn't mean I'm not duped in other ways, you know. Right. Um, but it well, means it's not a it's not a righteousness. It's a um, well. No, when I said righteousness, I didn't mean like I'm. Um, I meant like I'm a righteous badass bitch. Like I mean, not like righteous. Like I'm better. Oh, I than know. You. But okay. I I went through periods of actually feeling better than and righteous, oh. and and those were necessary for, for me. Sure. I needed, yeah, yeah. I yes, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about you then. Um, what's your perception of sobriety and sober people today? So. Uh, I mean, it's totally different. I would agree with almost everything you said. And I, 
I just, yeah, you said the bravest group of souls. Like that is how I see it too. I love that there's this kinship with with people who have woken up and you you get to cut through all the layers of BS that I hated anyway. And I hate it all along. Um, and you're just, you go right to like, I love, I love people who are sober in any way, you know, alcohol, drugs, isn't everybody's thing, but we've talked a lot about accepting the invitation to wake up, whatever your method is of waking up. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I was as I was saying this, I was thinking of um, of like friends of mine that are sober in other ways um, or that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for saying that. Right, and and how like that's where I want to be. That's who I want to be with. It's where I want to be. It's the people I want to be around. Um, when you were talking, I remembered <clears throat> that one of my the big shifts I had too around my perception is was Wayne Dyer talked. About, he was like one of my favorite people to listen to um, for a long time. And he talked about his own path to getting sober from alcohol and drugs. And he didn't necessarily have a big problem with it, but he had a teacher that told him, look, if you want to get to the place where I know you want to get with a level of consciousness that I know you want to have and to be able to be the teacher, I know you want to be alcohol has no place in your life. And that like clicked something in my brain and, and this is a teacher, again, another teacher that I was like, I want that. I want, I want what he has. I see that in myself and I want to be it. And that's like a lot of what I see with sober people. I mean, not everybody, you know, I, I sit around now and I think of like the group, the groups of people that I'm around and they're far different than what my social life looked like before um, far different than the circles I was in. And there's like, it's like such a mixed bag of uh, personalities and histories and people and ages and all of those things. But they're like the people I'd always wanted to know and wanted to be a part of. Um, and because we accepted this init- this invitation to wake up, I got to have access to them. So yeah, my perception is, I mean, not all sober people are like that. Um, but people who are committed to a path of recovery from whatever it is that they're recovering from, I have found that there's a level of honesty and transparency and, and, uh, the big one is like the loss of judgment. Um, there's a greater sense of compassion, um, around the human experience that I love, uh, and God, I mean, the, the, the women that we are part of, you know, the community of women that we're part of Holly, wouldn't you say is like the most inspiring, talented, creative, like artists and, oh my God, it's blows my mind how rich the, the community is that we're part of. So, so, I mean, that's how I see it now. And as far as not drinking, because there are also Lots of situations that I'm in where people drink and I'm going to sound like an asshole, but, but you, but you said it too. I just, I, I get bored with it. It's like, I don't, 
want to sit. I don't know that it was ever that much fun to sit around for four, five, six, seven hours and drink. But now it's like intolerable. Um, you mean to be around people that are drinking for I, just I, to do this? I mean, I would, we used to go out and spend a whole. We would organize an entire day. Yeah, like a bar, trip a bar crawl. around yeah, drinking, yeah, yeah. and and that's what I wanted to do. But I was chasing all those things that I found now. Yeah, well, and it's. I mean, for me too. Um, uh, those things. Yeah, no, I, I. It's it's um it's just a different life, and it served its purpose while for I was sure. in it. I didn't. Oh my gosh, yes. But also, um, but no. Today, it just it's it's like. Um, I mean, I don't know how to even. I, I, there's. There's so much. There's so much I want to do with my life. And there's so much I want to do with my time. Um, mm-hmm. The thought of it is even just. But, but yeah, no. It's just. It's a very different. It's like a very different world. It's, it's looking at something very different. It's just. It's the same thing. Like looking at something with a very different set of lenses. Right. Just seeing something very differently. Very differently. But yeah, and totally differently. Just, a completely different. It's like new. It's like new eyes. <clears throat> okay. Um. Okay, so then the next questions. Um, so we were going to discuss, like, for the last part of this, we we're going to talk about, like, um, three questions that we commonly get from people um, or topics that we commonly hear, and we're each going to answer it. And we're going to answer it, like, let's just, we'll do, we'll do pretty quick hits on this. Yeah. Um, so the first one is what to say to somebody who's afraid of losing their edge. Why don't you go first? Okay. So I think we have said it without specifically saying it, but losing your edge. So there's, there's two pieces. I, I think that there, what you have to expect when you're going to get sober is that there is going to be a period of like, Mary Carr says it in Lich. She said, you know, one does not go walking. If one has been in the dark for a long time, they don't go whistling into the street when the, sun, when the lights come on and, you know, like singing and joyful there's a period of like learning your new equipment. Um, and there, it did feel to me like I'd lost an edge for a while, like a long while, uh, because I had not, I did not know my personality. I did not know how to socialize. I did not know how to talk. I didn't know how to be in the world without drinking. And so there is a period of feeling like that. It's like a, a confusion, a blankness, um, all of that. And then I realized pretty quickly in some areas, it happened faster than others. Like work, it happened really fast. I had so much more of an edge than I ever did. Um, purely because I was functioning, you know, and, and it came around in other ways too. I mean, with men, it came around with friendships, it came around, but it took some time. And there is, there is no edge like the edge of sobriety. I mean, truly. So I think there just has to be a willingness to find your new shape and go through some really icky, uncomfortable spots to get there. It's, it's a willingness to wait. It's total willingness to wait. That's what I would say. Cool. What about you? say the same stuff that you just said and also you know just thinking about this you know our courage comes from actually looking at fear that's where that's where you know edge comes from courage i think edge comes from bravery yeah. edge comes from edge comes from edge right edge is, is means cut right edge means it's sharp uh, i don't know like edge yeah. to me is 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 something that actually is tangible and that you can feel and when you're drinking 
you have no edge because you are running from your edge. You're running from things with edges. Uh You're running into the soft, fuzzy stuff. When you stop drinking is when you actually have to fucking look at fear and you actually have to deal with fear and you have to deal with real life and you have to deal with stuff. And so your edge comes from actually allowing fear to occur and standing in that space and actually, uh, and actually moving through your life um, as it's happening instead of running yeah. away from it. Your edge comes from courage. And for me, like for anybody that's ever concerned about losing their edge, your edge never came from drinking. It never, it's a perceived edge. It's a perceived oh, rebellion. It's a perceived rebellion. But you can't be rebelling when you're doing what fucking everyone else is doing. That's not rebelling. That's, that's being a monkey. And so your edge comes from, first of all, doing the subversive thing and doing the thing that not everybody is doing and actually making up your mind for yourself, not making up your mind based on what images you see on TV and what, you know, what articles are telling you or what, what society or media is telling you you need to do to have fun. Mm-hmm. Edge comes from making up your mind for yourself, being with yourself, staying in your, you know, in life instead of running from it. And I'll tell you what, like for me, it's become so much more like I am so much braver than I ever was in oh my, my entire life. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say hard things. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid to like, I've draw- I know how to drop boundaries. I know how to say no. I know how to stand up for myself. I know how to not engage in something that I don't need to be engaged in. I know how to like, I can, I just remember this this one time I was on vacation in Hawaii. I'd had this relationship with one of my friends for years where she just bullied me and she's sitting there doing her thing where she's yelling at me and I just got up and walked across the room and stood up and stood at her and said you will not fucking talk to me like this again do you understand and just stood there and she couldn't make eye contact with me and I just stared at her and I was like steel and I just was like I just like was a fucking solid pole whereas before I would run from confrontation like that or lose my head I just went up and I I said it to her and I stared at her and I said do you understand like do you get it and then she stood like she looked back at me and she started crying but it was just this like moment of saying like I can stand here. Guess what? I can stand up. I do not have to run away anymore. I can stand up. I can stand up for myself. I can say hard things. I can stare people right in their face and say things to them. Like I count, I matter, and I have the courage to do it. And so it's just getting in touch with this place where you realize that there is there that 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 your power comes from actually looking your fear in its face that's what Mm -hmm. edge comes from right it's not a leather jacket and and marble reds and a whiskey neat or whatever the fuck we've told ourselves for years you know edge or rebellion looks like rebellion is not doing what everyone else is doing and rebellion is actually being in your own skin in a way that allows you to move through all aspects of your life and doing it with your you know head raised and your shoulders thrown back that's what edge is yeah, I love everything you just said. So it's so good and so true. I'm just sitting here like I got all excited. Yeah, uh, because um, it's, I oh. remember like going into a meeting, what, uh, one of my first meetings and thinking, these are the most badass, courageous people I have ever come across. That's right. For the reasons you just said. That's right. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah, that was great. So at first I thought you meant meetings at work and I was like, you mean with marketing people? Um, okay. So the second question is, um, 
Oh, I love this one. I'm afraid I'm going to ruin other people's fun. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you tell people that are worried about what do you say to people that are worried about ruining other people's fun? Um, a couple things. One, you might, but if you do, that has nothing to do with you. Like all I had to do, it was deeply uncomfortable. What you just said earlier about like your whole living your whole life um, trying to fit into what other people felt wanted you to feel and be and think that was that is me the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate people pleaser um, to the point where I completely lost myself in, in what other people needed me to be. So that rub of feeling like I was ruining other people's time was like, I can taste it. I can feel the discomfort in that for me. And I had to realize at some point, like I, maybe I am, maybe it's a, I might be the most giant buzzkill for certain types of people. Um, and I had to change, like, I don't even know how else to say it, Holly. Like you, you might be a big buzzkill for people. Um, but it's like what you just said about running up that, that edge and that moment or maybe many moments of discomfort you start to learn how to navigate it and you start to really, it's like the ultimate litmus test around about who you want to be around and who wants to be around you. Um, what I know to be true is that a lot of people, most people care a lot less about alcohol and drinking than we do. A lot of people care a lot less, but there are people who do care and they may not want you around. Um, but it's like, it's like the Mark Man- we had Mark Manson's episode go up today and he one of his best articles is fuck yes or no and the he starts the article out by saying why would you want to be in a relationship with someone who is not really into you like question that why would you want it and it's same goes for any situation where you feel like you're bumming people out. Why do you want to be in a situation? Why do you want to be friends with, be in a situation, be in any place with people who don't really want to be with you? You, not a per- another human who stands next to them and drinks. Why? Why do you want to do that? And that was the question I had to like ask myself in all cases. And be willing to be really uncomfortable sometimes. And then make different choices. Um, those are, yeah, that's what I would say. It's not an easy pill to swallow. It was <laughs> a really hard one for me to swallow. And occasionally, once in a while, once in a great while, I will feel it when I'm in a situation where I'm not drinking. But it, it's it flips so fast. So I'm just over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not, okay, I'm not that kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and truth be told, that was not fun for me anyway. <laughs> the fun stopped so long ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. What would you say? 
Well, it's just like this. Like it's it's this idea that comes that we over here, we lost our drinking privileges. So we just go over and sit in this corner and please do not ruin the fun for everybody else. All those other drinkers that are still enjoying it and can handle their alcohol. I don't know how many times I've heard some sort of iteration or some, some sort of form of that. Let the good people who can drink normally just enjoy their alcohol and you go over there and you shut the fuck up. And so for me, like it was when I stopped drinking, it was so much more about, oh my God, we are all drinking poison. And it's like, and all of us are, and we're abusing it and we're dying from it. And, and oh my God. And so there's this thing, like, I have so much to say about this one point, but there's this, this idea that we aren't supposed to talk about it. We're supposed to be quiet because we've lost our privilege and we don't have two legs to stand on now. We're only saying this because we can't drink. We're only, you know, like we're only like, we're only upset about, you know, drinking because we can't do it anymore. And I, you know, there's this really at first, I was really quiet about how I felt about alcohol, right? Um, and for me, there was just this, there recently, there's this commercial on YouTube and it's this, like woman on Dr. It's a Dr. Oz show and this woman gets this facial and she has all these lines and it fixes her face and she's an ex-smoker and she gets up and she says to everybody, you guys don't smoke. Like whatever you do, please do not start smoking. And I just was thinking, oh my God, like we're dying from alcohol. We're dying from alcohol. It's related to 60 different diseases. It's ca- it causes cancer. There's, and it's been proven there's no like safe amount of it. It's the same stuff we put into our fuel tanks. It's like it, you know, it, it kills a hundred thousand people a year in the United States. Um, you know, it, it costs us billions, like $500 billion between drugs and alcohol. It costs us each year, just as one nation. It's a fucking problem. It's also rated the most dangerous drug. And so I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. But there is this idea that you, that you, once you can't, you stop and you don't ruin it for everyone else. And, and you don't like, there's that Danielle Laporte quote that I put up, which is, be, which says, be willing to ruin the party. And for a really long time, I did not want to ruin the party. I did not want to be that girl. And I wrote, like, when I put that quote up, I wrote about how the first time I ever talked, it was like, I was, you know, it was probably nine months into this journey. And I said to my friend, I think everybody shouldn't drink. And he said, I would keep that thought to yourself. And he was <laughs> upset with me for saying it. He was upset with me for saying it. And so there is like this, this thing where like, it's like, who, who are we doing a favor anyway by not ruining the party? Right? Like there's this, there's a Mark Twain quote that has like been stuck with me from, it's from Kelly Brogan's book. And it says, it's easier to fool the people than to convince them that they have been fooled. Right. And mm. that's what we're doing with alcohol. Right. Like truly, truly what we're talking about in terms of ruining the party is like letting people in on the truth that, um, of the way things actually are, that it's an addictive drug and that we take a gamble every time somebody turns 21 and we offer them a drink or, you know, or, or we, you know, indoctrinate somebody into drinking culture. Every time somebody starts drinking specifically in our culture, what we're saying is, here you go. Here's this drug. There's a 10% chance that you're going to become addicted to it. There's a 30% chance that you're going to have an abusive relationship from it. It right. most likely is going to shave years off of your life. 
life. We don't know, but try it out. Let's see how it goes for you. Right. Like this is what we're, this is the party we're trying to not ruin. And so, oh my God. And so for me, I'm willing to ruin the fucking party. Like I, I'm so sorry. Like I'm really sorry if my sobriety threatens your, you know, shitty, weird relationship with alcohol. If you don't have a shitty, weird relationship with alcohol, I am not ruining your party. You're not even thinking about me, but I am really sorry that my not drinking and me even talking talking about how wonderful it is or whatever. I'm sorry if that might somehow ruin your buzz. I really am. I have, you know, so many apologies about that. Now, it's it's one of those things where it's just ridiculous that we still are in this mindset that that like let like the normal drinkers don't fuck it up for them, you know? Like go into your corner and die. Don't make a big stink about it. So we made that t-shirt our girl Melanie told us, um, like she, it was her first thing. She wanted a shirt that said sober killjoy. <laughs> and then we took it further and said sober vegan, fem- like whatever. Um, sober vegan feminist, feminist killjoy. killjoy. Right. Um, and it's funny because like it's the idea is like, first of all, there is no party, no real party that we're ruining by being sober. It's a fake party. It's a party where people are blind and people are dying from being in the party. And yep. so I have like, for me, it's not a matter of like, oh, I don't want to ruin anyone else's fun. It's fuck that. I'm saving. First of all, you're saving your life and you're doing what needs to be done for you and only for you. You're not doing this for anybody else. You're doing this for you. And that as our human, like that's our our basic human right, right. is to be able mm-hmm. to do what's best for ourselves without considering, without considering how it might make other people feel for trying to heal ourselves. So that's the first thing, which is this is about you. This is not about anybody else in their relationship with alcohol. And the second thing with that is, is so what? So what if you accidentally exactly. cause somebody to, to think and be uncomfortable about, about the relationship with the drug they're taking? I don't know. I, I don't have many apologies over oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> also, like this came up recently in a conversation that I had I was having with someone um, who's who's struggling with this very thing: the being uncool and the um, how am I going to be perceived by others? And it's like, okay, so you get to the end of your life, and what do you want to be able to say? I was I, I was so nice, and I didn't ruin the party for anybody. <laughs> I never made anybody uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> and I never People let myself me. be uncomfortable either. <laughs> like, does that, is that it? And I'm not saying that in a belittling way because that was me. Oh, no, I'm saying, I totally I'm get saying it. it in a, like, look at it. Look at that. Look at that. Really look at that. You want to be able to say, I didn't bother anybody. I didn't upset anybody. Um, no, I think it's, and it's also a matter of this, like on the, on, on the other hand, I, I think one of the parts I left out as well is that the party really begins here. This is like, I, um, I should be really stressed out right now for a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to go into, but I was in yoga yesterday and I was like, la- I was like, we got through this series and I just broke out laughing. Like, um, my life is a party, right? Like it's not just fi- between five and seven or 8 PM, you know, a couple nights a week um like uh, when like the which you know the only like before it gets really nasty like my life is not like just a party you know only if a little bit for the weekends yeah no 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 this is where the real party begins like it is because you actually experience life as it is and you work in a way to actually like deal with your own and as like uh 
who who did I read? Oh, uh, I I read recently. Tommy Rosen said, "We all have an internal pharmacy, right?" And I work with the internal pharmacy. <laughs> the inter- I hate it. Why did I say that? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe throw okay. up in my mouth. <laughs> um, That's what we're gonna name this episode. <laughs> the internal the internal pharmacy. <laughs> Good God. I take that back. Everything I just said. No, but it's actually true. it's a t-shirt now. <laughs> I work with the internal pharmacy. God, fuck. Why did I say that? No, but I um yeah, no, but you understand what I was saying, which is like mm-hmm. I don't have to wait for specific times and circumstances. I can actually enjoy my like I've learned I've, I've done a lot of work to get here, but I've learned how to um be happy and and have fun, you know. All the yeah. time, not all the time, but you know. But the moments are available to you. It's the like the Pema quote where she says there, there's actually um, a lot of space. Of course, I forget it as soon as it like I start to say it. <laughs> oh, oh, there is actually there is actually a lot of space to live your everyday life. <laughs> I'm, I'm still laughing about internal farms. Um, there's a lot of space to. I'm sorry. Say it no, again. it's true. Like I, it, that point is a really good one. Like to that, I used to live for you know the next time I was going to get to go right. get fucked up. Yeah, you're living, you're living, you're living in the future, and everything right? else Rather was than, just a slog. That's right. It's right, and it was a release valve, and that is where a lot of us get into it. And, and there's a lot more that goes into that. It's like you know, I also hated my job, and I right, felt like I didn't, a fraud, you didn't and have all of that. Any stuff. real ability to deal with that. I mean, I do no, none. I had absolutely no ability. It wasn't until I stopped drinking that I actually started to find all the things in my life that carried me and, and actually brought me joy um, and made my life feel like, um, you know, the way it does now, which is which is good. My life feels good. Um, okay, let's just move on. Um, I don't know if I answered that question well, but fuck it. All right. So the last question is, what do you say to somebody who's afraid of losing their tribe? And this is the I think this is the biggest one. Yeah. Um, it's Why the don't you go one. first on this one? Well, one of my one of the the my favorite um, one of my favorite uh, ways to look at this is it comes from Buddha Brain and it talks about the three ways the three survival instincts that we as humans um, use in order to uh, in order to gain ground or keep our ground. It's our, yep. our three survival mechanisms. And first is we create an individual identity. And second, we, um, we find a, you know, a static environment and tribe to fit into. Um, and then the third is, uh, is that we, uh, we, we, you know, run from discomfort and we, we approach good feeling things. And so it's kind of like this, like your whole life has been, you have, created this identity, you know, for me, I'm Holly, I drink, you know, whiskey need, I'm a badass at my job and I have a bad mouth and I like yoga, whatever, you know, this like this thing that I paint, this picture I painted, this identity that I have that I try to keep intact and, and I fit into this tribe and I, I, you know, accept the, I accept the contract with the tribe, which is, I will, you know, like make myself, I'll self-deprecate, I will, you know, people please, whatever my contract is with this tribe in order to fit into this tribe, I'll make you feel uncomfortable, take your shit, um, you know, I'll I'll pay for your, your bar tab, whatever it is, you know, like you have this, like this, this thing and I'll drink, you know, I'll drink. I'm the one who gets fucked up. You're the one that takes care of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't have to be taken care of that much. Anyway, um, but you have this like, yeah, thank you. Um, you have this like, you have this, I fit in here and this is how we, this is how we are fit into this tribe here in this environment. Um, and also obviously like I'm just kind of seeking pleasure and trying to not look at the dark shadowy stuff that scares the shit out of me that I'm running from. Right. And so when you stop drinking, you basically all of your survival mechanisms that you've had in place to this point, just go the fuck away because your identity changes. You are not, you know, this girl doing this thing anymore. Um, you know, you're you're actually not. You you are now approaching the threat. The threat being removing the alcohol and dealing with life. Um, and then here's the biggest one. Oh my God, you're fucking everyone shit up because you're changing. And <laughs> yes. um and like what is happening here? And so for me, it just looks like it looks. It usually looks like um shitty comments that's how it usually looks there's the people that are not affected by it who are like whatever there's the people that immediately go away that you have that really you know like that you have that drinking relationship with and then there's everyone else it's kind of still there and that is still figuring out what to do with it and so for me like um at first there were some that came forward and were super cool about it you know and then there were some people that just said really like really upset by it. This one mm-hmm. girl in particular just kept on saying stuff. It was like she couldn't, she couldn't help herself. Every time we were together, she could not help herself but to say something shitty about it and yep. to make me feel like I was doing something wrong. And like it was ugh, anyway. So the when you're when you're making this decision, you 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 basically are making a choice. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do this. I'm going to find freedom. I'm moving towards freedom, you guys, right? I'm moving towards the light. I cannot stay here anymore. And you start doing all this stuff and it's not just about not drinking. It's like, okay, other stuff starts to become, you know, obvious to you. Like, ooh, you know, I I need to be able to say no and that's important to me. I actually like need to, um, it's important to me to, like, boundaries. Yeah, it's important to me to like, you know, I want to start looking into spirituality and oh my God. Um, I want to like actually um like gossip is like for me it was like gossip was really starting to affect me and make me feel sick and meditation yep. became important and um and also like I was just like on this kind of like hell bent, like I, I wanted to be happy and so I started to actually be myself. Um mantras on my, you know, I just kind of started moving in this direction and it was like, it was, there was a rub and, and the tribe fell away, but it's, it's this, like, it's again, going back to this, like we have to, like, we have to be able to lose sight of the shore to swim for new horizons. And there is this in-between time there, right? There's this time where it goes away and all that. And it seems so important when that girl, when that mean girl kept saying stuff to me, I thought it was everything. I would be like, why is she doing that? You know? And I would just like, it kills. It kills. And it's everything. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't even today. I cannot remember girlfriend's last name. I can't remember 
her last name. She's a lawyer in San Francisco and she's not nice. But I can't remember nice. her last name. Okay. Like that's it. And so when you actually like start to do this, like you for, like it does, it's just temporary. And then you're treading water and you're by yourself because we need this time by ourselves. We so do. We so yeah. need this alone time. We need to suffer in our aloneness to find ourselves. And then as we're treading the water by ourselves, all of a sudden somebody else swims up next to you and they're treading water too. And for the first time without booze, you look and you're like, oh my God, you too? And then all of a sudden, all these other people appear out of nowhere and you're all treading water together and you kind of circle up, making a really beautiful metaphor here, but like you all circle up and you just start holding hands and like you start rising up with each other. And that's exactly what, what this is. It's like letting this like thing, this life raft that you're clinging to and you think is so important, what these people think of you, what they're going to say about you, how they're going to support you or not, how you're going to make them feel. They just float away and then you forget their last names and then you have this alone time and then you meet these other people that are going through the same thing. There are, there are, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of us. There are, there are in the United States, there are millions of us that have a yeah. shitty relationship. And you only, honestly, don't you feel like you only need like five, three, two, one, two, three <laughs> to start and yeah. I started with one. I started with one and then I moved to Mm -hmm. two and then I moved to three and, you know, and now we have a really big, beautiful community. Um, and, and it's like we're all, we, oh, did you hear, did you hear Siri? Siri? (laughs) Sorry. Siri's hanging out over there. She heard me. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't know what I mean, but to clarify, I don't know what you mean by that, Holly, but to clarify, um, all I, what all I'm saying is that you, you move away. You, you, yes, you, you know, it's like the scariest thing is actually like it goes against all of our natural instinct to, to separate ourselves from the tribe and the tribe gets really, they get really anxious tribe about it. Tribe does not celebrate a leaving. They do not celebrate any. a leaving. No. Um, but you, you kind of, you do, you make, you make new relationships and they're better relationships and that's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. It's better. Like it. there's nothing that I miss. I have like there's nothing that I miss. And some friends that were even not that like that that weren't that didn't painfully go away. Like there's that, you know, there's reason, season, lifetime. And some of our friendships are just a season. And some of our friendships are a lifetime. And some of us were meant to hold us through that phase where we were really fucked up, you know, and then that was it. And and then new friendships come. And, you know, and so it's it's you know, it's it's the hardest part of it. It's also the best part of it. It's where you find yourself. So, Laura, this is the last question, um, which is, what do you say to somebody that is um, worried about losing their tribe, and their, their social circle, their support system? Yeah, I would. I mean, everything you said was spot on in my experience. Also, I'm going to do a thing that you hate that when I do, but um, it's the best way I know how to answer this. You're going to read a poem. Yep. Yes, I am. I so, hate it. I love it. It's what makes you you. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a poem by David White called The House of Belonging. And yeah, this is, this is my answer. So it goes, I awoke this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment it was one day like any other. But the veil had gone from my darkened heart. And I thought, 
It must have been the quiet candlelight that filled my room. It must have been the first easy rhythm with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been the prayer I said, speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought, this is the good day you could meet your love. This is the black day someone close to you could die. This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up in the quiet pathway of the light. The tawny close green cedar burning round me like a fire and all the angels of this house fly heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun has made. This is where it gets really good. This is the bright home in which I live. This is where I ask my friends to come home. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness, and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house like the house of belonging. So for me, for me, it's all in those last few lines. Uh, And you said, you said this, I think you said belonging uh, or something about belonging to yourself. Um, yeah, that it is, it is never feels good to leave your tribe. No one will celebrate it. Some people will, but even those who celebrate it don't fully understand and it still makes them uneasy. Um, but the, I can't think of anything more important to do for everybody is to belong to yourself and to find, like he says, this is the temple of my adult aloneness and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. I can't think of anything more important to do. I can't. Well said. So, um, well, it's where I mean, it's it's where every it's where everybody wants to be, right? Like, isn't that what everybody wants it's deep down? I think deep down, yes. I think. They don't know it, but I think that's where it, I think that's where that's where freedom comes from, right? It's freedom, just, exactly. It's the freedom well, that we all want. So we we started out. We call it. We're calling this uncool. And do you want to just maybe wrap up the coolness thing? Because we like we knew attempting this would be really hard. Because we're not just talking about is it cool or not to be sober. And um, this is such a dumb fucking thing to say. Um, but like the question is the the fear that so many of us have is that we're moving to that like you know we're moving from. We're moving from a society that really props up alcohol use as being like the, you know, as mm-hmm. being the the secret of life and, and the, the stuff that we live for. And we're moving from this societal norm into this place where groundlessness. Um, into right. groundlessness and into this place that most of us really have feared to go. Um, and where we feel we really do lose our, our coolness factor and we lose our, we lose, we lose our life. Um, so do, is there any way you want to wrap that up? I, I mean, what you said is exactly right. And, uh, I think what people are asking when they write to us about this is, um, can I do this and not upset anybody? Can I do this and keep my life as it is? The answers to both of those questions are no. And then what they're, the other two questions are, am I going to be okay? And is it worth it? 
And the answers to those two questions are yes, absolutely. I can promise. Those two things I can promise. We can promise, right? Yeah, I can. I can promise those two things too. Am I going to be okay? And is it worth it? You're going to be okay. And it's so worth it. There's nothing that I've done in my life that has been more worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just not drinking. It's, it's just like everything that comes after. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love Love you. you. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much coffee. I was sitting here like, if she, if she keeps talking.